revive us again. Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Now, look at John 5.30. John chapter 5 and verse 30. And notice what it says here in verse 30. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Over and over and over again, this is what he says. At the beginning of his ministry, in the midst of his ministry, and yes, even at the end of his ministry, this was what Christ was about. Just doing the will of the Father. See, when you begin to get a little lost in your life, and you're not sure what you're doing, go back to the drawing board. Go back to the basis. Go back to the fundamentals. Get back to the Word of God and find out, now, wait a minute. Who am I? Why does God allow me to live? What is the purpose of my life from God's point of view? What does he want me to do so I'll know what my responsibilities are? And then you'll know whether or not you're succeeding or been a failure. Your faithfulness to the Lord is judged upon and according to the revealed will of God. Because if you don't know what that is, all the intentions of the world, the motives, it won't matter. You need to know what is the will of God, and that's why you do what God wants you to do. John chapter 18 Look there real quick. John chapter 18. John 18 and verse 11. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheaf. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? In other words, whatever this refers to, and there's different opinions about what it is. It could be the cross. It could be the premature death in the garden. But whatever it is, regardless of how bad it is, regardless of what the devil was doing to him in the garden, or because of seeing what's going to take place on the cross, regardless of how bad it was, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Now, if you can say this and mean it with all your heart, it'll help you. If you want His will for your life, and you believe that the one you're listening to and following and obeying is going to lead you and guide you and protect you 
then when it comes up to something in your life, well, it seems like, well, this is so terrible. I don't want to go through this. And believe it or not, there's going to be a lot of things you do not want to go through in life. But you may say, Lord, I wish this would pass. I would rather not go through this. But nevertheless, thy will be done. And if you can always say, Lord, I just want your will, regardless of what it might be, how bad it might be, I am going to sacrifice my body, my life, to your will, and trust you. When it comes to the Lord, regardless of how at times it seems like this is not what you want, but whenever you decide to serve the Lord, you don't know where you're going. You don't know how it's going to end up there. And some things will be wonderful. There's parts of this plan of God you're going to love every bit of it. And then there's parts of it, it seems like, God, you must have made a mistake. But it could be the will of God that you've got to go through it. So it might be physical, it could be emotionally, mentally, um, who knows? And you're going to suffer in this life, and God will allow you to suffer. But Lord, whatever your will is, that's what I want. So, he did what the Father wanted him to do. Now, I want you to look at number two, things the will of God will do for you. Now, there's six things that are mentioned here. It will give you real substance to your life. It will bring enlightenment to your mind, rest to your soul, guidance for service, protection in life, and it will get comfort. That sounds like a wonderful reason to serve the Lord. Look what it's going to do for you. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of James. I want you to see this verse, the book of James, and chapter 4. James chapter 4. Because as you and I live in this life, there's things that we're going to have to do. There's things that you're not going to understand. But notice what he says here, and starting there in verse 13. Go to now, ye that say... Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, buy and sell and get gain. Now, you don't know if you're going to get gain or not. You don't know the future. You can't accurately determine what's going to take place tomorrow. You cannot accurately, 100%, say what's going to happen tonight. You probably are not even aware of what really happened today. Because of perspective and where you are. You don't see everything. You don't know everything. There could have been a lot of things happening today you haven't even heard about. Sometimes I never even watch the TV. I don't never know what's going on. Now sometimes after three or four days I finally find out a little bit about what's going on. And then I'm not sure I like what's going on. So I don't. But I like to read the paper once in a while. But I don't trust. Just I don't hardly trust anything. I, I trust the Bible. But look what he says in verse 14, whereas ye know not, I didn't say that, God did, ye know not what shall be on the morrow. Isn't that what he said? You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's coming tomorrow. You don't know the course you're going to have to run tomorrow. You don't know what you're going to have to face tomorrow. But I know someone who does. See, I don't have to be the smartest man in all the world. I don't have to know everything. 
I just know the one that does. I don't have to know everything in those library books. All I got to do is go in there and read one, a few of them once in a while if I want to, but I don't have to know everything in the world. I don't have to know what everybody else knows and believes. I do think it's wise if I just understood my Father's will. What does He want me to do with my life? And then trust Him to lead me as I go. That's why sometimes you'll study the Bible, see, uh, you learn a here a little, there a little. That's progressive revelation, understanding, where it grows little by little. You're growing in the Lord. The Bible makes this statement in the book of John chapter 17. It says, if you will do the will of God, you shall know of the doctrine. God will teach you if you will do it. In other words, God wants you to commit first to do His will, and then He'll reveal it as you go. But see, most people, they want to know this whole thing laid out so they can decide whether or not they want to do it or not. Now, in this life, that might be wonderful. But can't we trust God? Do you believe He's going to lead you down the wrong path? Do you believe it's going to be nothing but trouble if you serve the Lord? Well, it might be. But it'll be worth it. Anytime you sacrifice anything for the things of God, it means you just sacrificed something for something better. It means you gave up something in this world that you were going to lose anyway to gain something that you'll never lose. Sounds good to me. But look at verse 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's a vapor that appeared for a little time, vanishes away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will... We shall live and do this or do that. But only if God allows it to happen. Because do you realize that God has all power, all authority, and he can intervene into your life anytime he wants to? Did you know that if you dedicate your life to the Lord, expect God to interrupt your schedule? You see, we have our plans and we dedicate our life to the Lord and then get upset with God because that's not what I planned. That's not the way I wanted it. Well, it doesn't matter. It's not according to your will. It's according to His will. He has a purpose. He has a plan. The other night when we were talking about the depression, first of all, we have a perfect God. Two, we have a perfect book. And three, God has a perfect plan. Now, remember I said that Wednesday night? Because it's true. Now, I'm supposed to believe that God can work out His will in my life. I didn't ask to be born into this world, but here I am. I had no clue when I was that little snotty-nosed brat growing up that God had anything for me. Or that God could ever use a barefooted Georgia boy from the, a hick from the sticks. But God can do miraculous things. God delights in working miracles. He says that he'd rather take some dedicated nobodies. Because he says the high and the mighty, God doesn't use them. Oh, he can use them. But most of them are too big for their britches. So many are so filled with pride, God can't use them. God rather just reach down and get a dedicated nobody that he can use because he knows if he can't do anything. And he knows that 
If it wasn't for the Lord, nothing would get accomplished. God is looking for some people that will just say, Lord, here I am. Whatever your will is, that's what I want. I just want to be whatever you want me to be. And life is short. You don't get a chance to run this way again. We get one trip through. But he makes his statement. He says in verse 15, For that you ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And therefore in verse 7 he says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. Now take your Bible and look there in John chapter 7. John chapter 7 verse 17. The Gospel of John. And look into verse 15. Verse 14 first of all. Let's just see this. The Gospel of John in chapter 7. And you notice in verse 14. Now about the mist of the feast. Jesus went up into the temple and he taught. And the Jews marveled. Saying how knoweth this man letters having never learned. Well doggy me he didn't go to their university. How did this man learn all this stuff? Because he's the son of God. He gave the law. You imagine how brilliant he must have been? How authoritative he had to be? And that nobody could trap him in anything? You're talking about somebody that knew the word. And he was able to do that when he was 12 years old. 12. I'm not making that up. But as he says here in John chapter 7. In verse 16, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. You see, he always referred back to his Father. The Father's words, the Father's will. The Father's way, everything is about the Father. And that's why he says that the world may know that I love the Father. That's why I do what I do. And so he was totally committed to doing everything that his Father wanted him to do. And so he says in verse 17, if any man, just like Jesus was willing to do the will of the Father, and the Father would reveal the will, and Jesus learned. There's things that he didn't know at the beginning. And he says that he grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew. He listened. He learned. And the Bible says that he just did whatever the Father wanted him to do with his life. And here you and I are. You say, well, I'd love to have a chance to do like he did. We do. We do. And so he says, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. You'll know the will of God. You'll know what he wants you to do. And that is to those who will do it. You see, God in heaven knows who will obey and not obey. God knows those who love him and don't love him. And in John, he talked about how that he will reveal his will to those that love him. Now, you know Christ is your Savior. You'll go to heaven. But God's talking about those who love him. And he says, and I will love him. I will love him. And he will love me. In other words, there'll be a, a, a relationship there, a fellowship there that nobody can give to you and nobody can take away. Uh, nobody can walk for the Lord for you. 
Nobody can get close to the Lord for you. That's a personal thing. And so he makes his statement. Whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself, you'll know that if you will do the will of God, means if you will obey the word of God, you'll know whether or not is this from God or is this from man. It will give you insight. You'll gain divine discernment. To discern right from wrong, what is the will of God and what is not. You can be able to say this is the flesh and this is the spirit. This is right and this is wrong. And the more you learn, the more you want to do what God wants you to do. And just take a stand and to be strong. Just look at this next verse here in verse 18. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. Anytime you rebel against God and you seek your own will in your own way, it's because you want your own glory. That means you're no longer interested in giving him the honor and the glory because you're not doing what you're doing for his sake, for his honor, for his glory. God gets all of that by your obedience. And when you're not obedient, he doesn't get it. All because you don't get it. And he makes a statement, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true and no unrighteousness is in him. So God is, in person of Christ, is teaching them some very valuable lessons and simple things. And sometimes it's so easy just to read right over that and never really see what God is talking about. I want you to look at number three real quick. Things the will of God wants from you. In other words, what does God want from me? God wants your dedication. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's what God wants from you. That's what he wants from me. And if he can get that, then he wants your whole body and soul and spirit. The word sanctification, found here in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, Talks about what God wants to do and how you and I are supposed to possess this body of ours. If we are to keep it clean and keep it pure for his honor and for his glory. Your appreciation. I thought about this whenever I was thinking about for tonight. I thought about it's kind of like. You know, uh, have you ever seen an old cowboy movie where they they lasso this the good guy. And they, they drag him behind the horse. The horses are running, and this guy's rolling, and he's turning all over the place. And they, he's eating dirt, dust, flying. And then they drag him through the, the briars and the, you know, the cactuses. And he finally he's all wrapped up, and he's left there. He's like he's half dead. Sometimes I picture the Christian life a little bit about like that. We think the Lord is just going to let me sit by the swimming pool with my tea and just sip on my iced tea in that nice warm sun and just to relax and enjoy my life designed with me and mine. And then lo and behold, it's like the Lord has lassoed me and pulled me out of my little chair and drugged me through the dirt, and through the briars through the cactus, till I feel like sometimes I'm half dead. And then on top of that, he finally stops riding a horse and he looks at me and says, I want your appreciation. 
And I'm supposed to say, thanks, I needed that. Thanks, I needed that. So what kind of hard time have you been going through lately? Like, done pulled you through a knothole backwards? And you're supposed to say, Lord, thank you, I needed that. There used to be a commercial on there. <laughs> Thanks, I needed that. Anybody remember that? Well, when the Lord has done drug you through some of the muck and the mire, and some of the pitfalls in this life, and it seems like there's no outlet, there's no let up, there's no daylight, and everything is just dark. You think, will it ever end? And then God says, I want you to praise me continually. Thank you, Lord, for those thorns. Thanks for the cactus, Lord. I really needed that. You see, God wants you to praise him all the time in every situation, regardless. Why? Because, see, you're going through all of those things for his honor and for his glory. Not yours. If God is God, does he have the right to mold the clay into whatever kind of vessel he wants? And to put it wherever he wants? Yes or no? Have you been whining lately? Complaining a little bit lately? What a sorry lot God has for you. Have you ever looked at somebody else and it seemed like, man, they don't go through nothing. Man, they got a life of ease. I mean, here I am. Lord, I love you and I'm doing all this stuff. And it seems like everything falls apart. You need to go back and read the 37th Psalm and the 73rd Psalm. Where David says, my foot had well nigh slipped. When I looked at the prosperity of the wicked. And I thought it was all over with until I went into the sanctuary of the Lord. And I saw their end. But you see, when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, did you realize that God has been watching you and keeping the books? And when you get to heaven, he is going to make it worth it. And that little short time upon the earth of all of your hardship and all of your struggles this light affliction, which is but for a moment, shall be exceeded in glory. No comparison. For the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be hereafter. And some of those people that you say, they don't go through this and they don't go through that and they don't hurt. like, And they may not get the rewards you're going to get either. What would you rather have? A life of ease now? And a little rewards later. Or Lord pour it on. Because it will be worth it in eternity. And the closer you get. The more you ought to say. Lord heap it on me. Whatever you want. You have the freedom to do. Now that's scary. That's scary. Because you really don't know. Where it's going to lead. But you and I are supposed to believe that my heavenly Father knows the way and he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you and that he has a perfect will for your life. At least that, that's what we're supposed to believe. But you know how God is. You can't trust him, can you? Or can you?
Look up here. Just in case somebody's watching, or if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to. This hand represents you and me. Uh, the wallet represents sin, all those things that we do that's wrong. But God says that He loves us. Now, He hates what we do wrong, but He loves us. And the Bible says that we have to pay for that, and the wages of sin is death. That means eternal separation from God. But God wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, you have to be perfect, as righteous as God, and none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. Because of sin, we can't get in. We've all done things wrong. And God says you cannot save yourself. This church can't save a soul. This preacher, I've never saved anybody in my life. You have never saved anybody either. But I know somebody who can save. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into this world because he loves us, hates our sin. Because our sin separates us from God. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he came into the world, took all the sin, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And God said that if we would believe he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account. We get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. Today, after the service, I got a nice little mail. Uh, I can't say a nice one. But a guy sent me an email and telling me how bad I was this morning. How terrible I was this morning. And that I ought to tell the people the truth. Anyway, it made me feel real bad about that long. Because I know that I hadn't lied to anybody and I did tell the truth. And he sent me a little email. James chapter 2. As though I never read that before. I didn't know James chapter 2 was in the Bible. But aren't you glad to know that salvation is by grace? And that when Christ died, how many of my sins did he die for? All my sins. And somebody says, well, what if you commit adultery and you, you, uh, you murder somebody and you lied and you still? Yeah, all of my sins. You put them right there. All of them. I deserve to pay for my sins. But grace is that I won't. Because he did. He died for me. So that I don't have to pay for them. So I don't have to pay for my sins. I don't have to go to hell. I'm not going to hell. I won't go today. I won't go tomorrow. I will never at any time in the future ever go to hell. Why? Because Christ paid for all of my sins. And I don't have any left to pay for. I believe that. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you're not sure you're going to go to heaven, would you right now in the quietness of this moment just talk to the Lord? God knows your thoughts. So, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I've done things wrong. I want to go to heaven when I die. And I believe Jesus died on that cross and paid for my sins. And, Lord, right now I will accept Jesus Christ as my only hope of going to heaven. And, friend, if you're making that decision, I'd like to know it, and I'd like to have prayer for you. And I ask you to do it with your heads bowed, nice closed, because I'm not interested in embarrassing anybody. But I would like to pray for you. Is there anyone here tonight? Say, preacher, that made sense to me, and I want to be certain of going to heaven when I die. And I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand in very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? 
Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We ask your blessings upon each one. Help us to understand the will of the Father and to be willing to present our bodies to submit and, Father, to sacrifice even unto death if necessary, not to get to heaven, but because we're going there and you're our Father. Bless each one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.